Hello, Brapmintonians, and welcome to Brap Talk. This is a weekly podcast where we discuss the happenings of the motorcycle industry. I am your host, Jensen Beeler of Asphalt and Rubber, and joining me on this two-wheeled adventure, my little snossage of deliciousness, Mr. Shaheen Alvandi! I'll be your cased meat. I like cased meats. Sausages are delicious. Is that the technical term, cased meats? Yeah, I mean, it's meat product and casing. In a yeah, it's in an intestine. Right. It's not. I don't think of an intestine as a case. But I mean, it's technically encasing. Yeah. The blob that later on becomes yeah cured or smoked into the sausage of your choice. Yeah. It could be a you know a hot dog or it could be a I don't know like a soprasata. One of my favorite things is when cooks suddenly get the accent of the food that they're talking about. Right. It's like uh, yeah, I'm gonna make some pasta and some. Uh, uh, some parmigiano. This, this sauce is a very delicious arrabbiata. <laughs> I don't think that's a good Italian accent, but I can roll the R. Today we're going to have some tacos. Uh, it's going to have a lot of cilantro and onions on top of the carne asada. Are you sure you're not going to do the El Pastor? <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> you went straight up at those locos forever with your accent. Dude, I found a place that has real deal El Pastor here in, uh, oh my God, I just said it like the way they do it, <laughs> in Portland. <laughs> I almost had not Mountain Dew come out of your almost, nose. Almost spit water all over the place. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. No, it's not Mountain Dew. It's uh, a LaCroix. Uh, LaCroix. Lime flavor. Uh, it's like somebody had or, a lime or, once and tried to describe or, it to somebody else. As I like to call it, a LaCroix. LaCroix. Sweetie, sweetie, darling, it's LaCroix. LaCroix. For you uh, AbFab fans out there. Mm-hmm. Whatever happened to AbFab? Oh, uh, they got old. Uh, fair but enough. But no, Saunders was just, um, <laughs> she was just in something recently. They're in stuff every now and then. They're very British. I've I've learned the mind of Coda Kitty, by the way. She's just staring at nothing anymore. That's like... Look at her. Superhero stare status. Somebody should record that. What a weird cat. How regal. How hairy. Shaheen, tell me what you've been doing on a motorcycle lately. <laughs> You know, we haven't done that in a while. We're just hard transition. I know. <laughs> what have you done on a motorcycle lately? Um, honestly, fuck all. I haven't done anything the last it's week. It's been so beautiful, though. Why I know. You been it's riding? been gorgeous. It's almost like it's too pretty for me to ride. My bike's clean, and I don't want it to, I don't know, get dirty. This is why I don't ever wash the damn thing. I wash it like once, maybe twice a year, and after that, I'm like, well, can't ride that. Yeah. I, so I think maybe, um, I think this weekend... Yeah, I think this coming weekend I'm planning a little motorcycle camping trip, which interestingly enough, we just saw there's like chance of snow. So maybe not this weekend or maybe this weekend. Who knows? Have some fun. Make up your mind, Portland. Which way, which way <sighs> do you want it? I, I truthfully, I might try and get out and ride today or tomorrow on the Street Fighter because it, it needs some loving. It does. And I feel like that's good research it is. For, the, for the press launch coming up. Yes. Hey, you know, you got to... Get to know the old product so that you can talk about its nuances and highlights and low lights um how are the tires on the thing oh Did great you, yeah yeah no i got um uh diablo roasted corset twos that yeah. come on been... man you gotta the r you gotta roll it diablo rosso 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 corsa. Rosso corsa. Rosso corsa. Hey, hey, you gotta do the I fingers do hey baba boys hey. rosso corsa diablo that's pretty good 
Yeah. You do a good Italian. That's I I don't. No, here's my Italian. It very quickly becomes like Borat. I don't know why. All my accents eventually go to Russian. Well, which is very suspicious. In Soviet Russia, accents speak you. It's KGB. <laughs> it's it's your time in the Hague. I watched Anna on the way back from from Europe. Yeah, very KGB. I need to see that one. It's we talked good. about it in the last podcast that good. isn't out yet. Not a strong. It's on a. Uh, it's on HBO. It's on HBO. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I'll sign on. Yeah. With your login. That's fine. And watch it. That's fine. Nice. You can log into my Disney Plus. Ooh, I need a Disney Plus. Nice. Good. I got kicked off my last one. Watch. <laughs> Wait, what did you do? We broke Why up. Why did Disney kick you <laughs> we, off? We, we broke up. <laughs> you broke up with Disney Plus? The, no. Oh, oh. Wait, she couldn't let you have like a little Disney Plus action? No, no, no. no. She deleted. So, we, so this is a fun story. Because you, like, you can make little profiles, right? So you got her account, you got my account, and then we were like super cute. We got one for my cat and one for her cat. Oh. So we break up. She doesn't delete the cat's profile. She just <laughs> deletes mine. <laughs> well, her so anger is not with Coda. can watch all the Disney Plus she wants. But have, Jensen, you, have you logged on as Coda? I can, yeah. Yeah. Well, you I, just, we just solved your problem. I don't need that phone call. Come on, that'd be amazing. I don't need that phone call. Hey, what are you doing watching my stuff? Uh, not me. It's Coda. Totally the cat. It's on her profile, wasn't it? Coda wanted to watch. Um, the, the, but me being the gentleman that I am, I have not changed my Netflix password. So enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, but there's nothing new on Netflix, is there? No, there's a new Altered Carbon out. I already watched it. Really good. It is really good. Still not as good as the first season. First season was a lot more raunchy. This one is a lot more not raunchy. Yeah. Give me some raunch, fair. damn it. That's fair. There's, there's like no more like, blood and gore the first one. There's zero sex dungeons. Zero. Yeah, none. Not a single one. Nothing. Just might as well watch a barely door the explorer. Yeah, I think more butt than more man butt than woman nip. I mean, but that's quality what, and all. That's the world we live in right now. That's the world we live in. Sometimes you got to show a little man butt. I do like that everything on Netflix is some sort of like pandemic outbreak is the number one movie right now. <laughs> Gosh, just, I wonder you're why. Just like, you're just like like watching like oh geez. Hey, um, where are we not going next month? Yeah, I know, right? So so a couple things. It's funny. So I wanted to tease going to the Ducati Street Fighter V4 launch. I haven't heard anything as of today, but it would not surprise me if the next day or two um, we started hearing something that that's canceled. Because so today, last night, depending what time zone you're in, um, Italy basically locked down the entire country. Originally, it was just northern Italy. Right. 17, 16, 17 million people on quarantine or lockdown, um, which would include the MV Augusta factory, which included the Aprilia factory, the Moto Guzzi factory. Uh, I'm forgetting someone, but it did not include Moto Marini or Ducati because they were just a little too far south. They're cleaner. <laughs> now it's the entire country. Oh, shit. And so I just like, I don't know if they already got their bikes out. I don't know how they're going to get their personnel there. It seems like that would be an impossibility unless they're already outside of the country, right. which maybe they are. Eh. Um, so I don't know if the street fighter V4 launch is happening at this point. Shaheen is that, is that, do you know if that, if that's in Spain or where it's is in that? Spain, oh. it's uh, right outside Malaga in Ronda. We're going to be at the Ascari track. It's the exact same place I went for Metzler. I got a friend who has a house there. If you need to stay somewhere gorgeous there, it is gorgeous there. I might move there. I want to move there too. Yeah. I got a fun story about that. We'll talk later. Nice. Yeah. That's on the Everything But Motorcycles podcast. Yeah, sure. <laughs> we need to do that. We can. We, we should. Do that. I, we just, 
I told that to someone the other day, like, well, that'd be really good. I'd listen to that. <laughs> I'm like, why? Who's our audience though? Motorcyclists? No. Or the partners of? No, I, I feel like that show would be like the sleeper show to get non-motorcyclists to talk about motorcycles. Oh, they're going to get to know our personalities. Yeah. And fall in love with our little kitschy things. Yeah. Such be like, as Coda Kitty. Yeah. Because they'd be always like, oh, we're talk about that motorcycle. Can't talk about the motorcycle thing. We'll talk about that on the other podcast. That's when right. we come and listen to this podcast. That's how we do that. <laughs> business, Shaheen. <laughs> business. Some clickbait shit right there. Yeah. I could tell you about my motorcycle adventures, but you're going to have to listen to Brap Talk. You're going to have to listen to my other podcast. Boom. That's how you get the clicks, ladies and germs. Jensen got on a Goldwing. Find out what happened next by clicking this link. <laughs> he shifted gears. Watch what happens next. He took a corner and put his knee on the ground. Oh, it's really hard to do on the cold line. Find out what, but you did it. You really got to get off that seat. <laughs> I still, I would love if you and I could do it together. Two knees. On I don't ground. think you can do two up, two up, knee down. Like the, the rear seat is way too high. You would have to basically get off the seat, like onto the, the, the pannier. <laughs> does it have an oh shit grab bar on the other side that I can hold on to and just, yeah. Oh uh, yeah, I think it does. Somebody, I think 245 pounds extra. I do. hung off the bike. It's probably that, that tire is going to meet us demise quickly. I do think we are above the gross vehicle weight for that. I think whoever's listening from Honda is going to listen to this and go, hey, we need that bike now. No, Colin's in there going like, we're not taking that bike back. You can never put that at the dealer auction. It's Congratulations, not Jensen. You have a new goal wing. I do like that. I've had it so long that it sent me a new registration sticker. <laughs> That's amazing. I just saw that. You got a new registration. It's, um, I mean, it's. Have I had that a year? Has it been a year? Pushing it. Pushing I'm it. trying to think when I went down there. What did I go down there for to get it? It was another Honda thing. Was it a, Did you re- return to CB1000 and get that thing? Because you had the CB1000 for like four months too. Yeah. Honda just forgets that they give press bikes, don't they? I think I'm just out of sight, out of mind. They're like, who? <laughs> Asphalt and who? Is that a public... Yeah, but business? you make the most noise. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I do. Maybe I do. Uh... We were talking about motorcycles. Yeah, you were talking about the the Street Fighter and you Street were... Street Fighter launch. That's, that's I don't know. I, I really feel like that could get canceled at any minute. But You and, bite your and, tongue. Maybe they'll have a U.S. launch. <gasps> uh, maybe. It comes out in like June or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Daddy want one real bad. Yeah. I have a feeling that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, we just got the news today that uh, the Austin... MotoGP round has been postponed to November. Well, I mean, wash your fucking hands, people. That, but it makes it's just sense. Not that simple. Is it, it? <laughs> it again, it comes down to like there was some issues with with Austin. They set um, so they obviously they canceled South by Southwest partially because they just they declared a uh, not a state of emergency, a state of disaster. I think oh. was the exact term. Um, but it basically said like anything with 2,500 people or more, you can't do it unless you can show how you're going to mitigate infections. And it's like, you know, case by case basis, we'll approve it sort of thing. Don't they have anything where they can just like fly up uh, like a farm plane over people and just spray everyone? Boom. Problem solved. Uh, you know, actually talking as the grandson of a crop duster, that's a really bad idea. <laughs> that's how people get cancer. That's why my mom has so much damn skin cancer. Oh, um, they, they would, they'd be in the, the fields time. when they'd spray melathion on. And now we've got uh, DDT and melathion on, I should say. And now we're starting to have enough research that shows that melathion on definitely cancer causing. <laughs> I just watched um, Dark Waters. Oh, yeah. It's about the um, 
Teflon and DuPont. Right. Whew, you want to get mad at corporate America? Watch that movie. Yeah, God. It's it's like cool because like it's like this, you know, single attorney or small firm kind of attorney guy, and he like takes on like this huge corporation, this huge like machine, right. and, and wins. But you also just kind of realize like, man, those guys are dicks. And I I, I interviewed for a job at DuPont, and they were so weird. You got to break they a couple so of weird. eggs to make a DuPont omelet, Jensen. Yeah, so so Austin GP canceled partially because I don't think the city of Austin was going to let them do it, but also, again, coming back to this Italy cracking down on travel and all that. And, um, you know, it's funny, like like the day before this happened or two days before you and I were talking, I was like, I think... I think I'm not going to go to the Austin GP. Yeah, you were you were uh, you were already on the fence. Anyways. I already canceled my ticket. Yeah, I and yours wasn't it. based on coronavirus. Yeah, it was. we were talking logistics. I thought no, no, no. It was it was coronavirus, but but it wasn't like like I'm a fairly rational person. Like I don't think I'm going to die from coronavirus. Right. Um, but I think the coronavirus will give me flu-like symptoms, and that sucks, anyways. And I yeah, you know, I we talked about it. Um, I don't know how many shows ago, but I got the the flu towards the end of last year i was in bed for two weeks it really I, it does I, a number to you I, I had a fever the whole time my body ached i had no energy i basically got no work done i probably i mean like pain and suffering that's one component right definitely lost maybe a thousand or two dollars in lost productivity mm-hmm. you know like definitely hit my my checkbook and i'm just sitting there going like don't need to do that again even if even if like and that's kind of like the most likely scenario. Let's call it best case scenario. I mean, I guess best case would be like being asymptomatic, but it was, uh, I was just going like, I don't need to do that. And I look at the paddock itself. You have, there's about like a thousand riders, team people, journalists, right. Dorna workers. Very close proximity. Very, very close proximity. Like literally like human sandwiches, just like 20, 30 people pressed together trying to consume the ne- the like the same three square feet of real estate. Sexy. Like literally just people on top of people, like arms on you. Like you're just hugging people. So I don't like hugging people because of these media scrums. Is this kind of like Debbie Does Dallas? People a little on top bit, of people? yeah, because it's you're, it's such a, sh- a sh- smorgasbord of of people together, smorgasbord of people soup. Yeah, and you're sitting there like these are all world travelers that came through a bunch of different airports mm-hmm. with a bunch of planes and a bunch of other world travelers, and a lot of them are from Italy, and we're just super close quarters. Just like all it takes is one person, all it takes is one of these thousand people or so, not to mention the hundred thousand people that are going to show up to the race to have this this sickness and you're going to get everyone affected you're just guaranteed to because it's such close quarters for basically six days and like i was looking at like dorna like their reaction i was like you know what dorna's not really making a public health decision like they're just looking at it from contract point of view like their whole thing is like they just really 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 want a government entity to tell them that they can't hold the race right. if they don't want to hold right they, they don't want so to be held accountable load. for for breaking people's hearts well they don't want to be accountable for the contract penalties right so they need to have the, something major happen so they can declare force majeure and say, hey, like this is outside of our, our ability to control. Obviously, we can't perform this contract. That's why we can't pay you that million-dollar penalty. We're off the hook. And that's not really the best way to make health decisions. So I was just like, you know what? Like this, I don't really need to be there. This isn't like a huge thing story-wise for asphalt and rubber. I already have people that will be there that, that do work for me. I'm good. Like, I'm just going to not go. Are you going to go in November? Maybe. I was looking at the dates. Eichmann's the week before. Oof. 
Um, so it's going to take over, uh, I think it's November 13th for 15, 13th through 15th, which is the dates that were originally were set for the Valencia round. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll have to think about that. Uh, uh, if I go to Italy for ICMA, which is certainly possible, I was going to say more than likely, it's kind of a tough thing to go from that and then to Austin and then home, but maybe it's, it's, it's far enough out that I don't really have to make a decision yet. That's later, Jensen. Let's talk about that's things that's happening problem. tomorrow, even tonight. Like, what are we going to have for dinner? Not hamburgers. <laughs> um, you've only had two hamburgers in the last 48 hours. I don't know what your problem is. Oh, my God. So many hamburgers. <laughs> Not helping the, uh, the pre-weight diet. Uh, have you kept track? How's Ulrich doing? How are you doing? Who's up? Ulrich is such a fatty. Oh, my God. I'm at Ulrich. He's such a... F- old fat man i mean uh, i'll put the secret out now my money's on him i'm, I'm hoping he'll beat what? you at this Come what on. i'm 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 a risk taker where's my loyalty i'm a risk taker um my quote-unquote checkbook doesn't know loyalty it just knows numbers i'm gonna talk to team man about this <laughs> you're in for some trouble sir oh man that doesn't take much lately man you will be you're gonna regret those words my sweet wife will let me get away with murder but lately uh, you know I think my sarcasm is starting to get to her. I have to turn it down a little. She's going to take that fluffy Pomeranian and snuff you in your sleep. The poor dog. Julie's adorable. Julie's so cute. This morning, he didn't want me to get out of bed. And then there was construction outside of our house, and he ran out of bed like, fuck this noise. <laughs> nope, nope, There's nope. a jackhammer nope, nope. outside. I'm not a fan. <laughs> um, I will say what will help me on that. Uh, I spent all of yesterday. Yesterday was like Kramer Day. Okay. I spent all day... Can you talk about what you did? Yes. Who? Yes. Tell me. Tell um, us. I was over at uh, EDR Performance uh, over in Beaverton, right. one of our local tuning houses, getting the old Kramer uh, dynoed up. We took uh, five different fuels over. Five. Five different brands or five different mixtures? Five. Three different brands, five different mixtures. Wow. Um, so I brought uh, a fresh vintage of uh good old octane 92 from the 76 station okay and then uh i had some jugs of sunoco exo2 and 260 gt plus which was what was in my bathroom my guest bathroom i was gonna ask you if you had any of the bathroom varietals that's why that was that's (laughs) that's why those were in there because i needed those i needed to make sure those fuels were going to be okay were were you curing them in there (laughs) it's just they're so that 260 gt plus is so uv sensitive like literally like 10 minutes in sunlight and it's just it's done jesus it just falls apart and you have like this brown mud like sludge in it so is that okay sitting in the kramer oh, i guess your kramer's got a dark gas tank, my, my kramer's got the the black tank yeah. but some of the guys who had clear tanks were running that gas and having issues because of it um it's just a very it's a very high maintenance fuel and as we learned on the dyno not really worth the hassle. Yeah. Um, also ran uh, two fuels from VP, uh, U4.4 and MR12. U4.4 is pretty uh, common. I've seen in a lot of different shops. It's a good fuel. Um, like, like not to, let's break it down. So break it, break it down. I don't, like, I'm going to tell you some numbers. Okay. And I don't want you to really place any weight in the absolute value of the numbers. Okay. Because dinos read different numbers, and it's like depends on your calibration, depends on the weather, depends on 
like I'm, I was using slicks. You don't usually want to dyno your bike with slicks because oh, yeah. they don't You'd, heat up and stuff. Yeah. Um, different things. So it's not really that important, like what that absolute number is, because that's going to vary from dyno shop to dyno shop and day to day. But it is, I do think, to focus on the relative numbers, like the numbers compared to each other is important. Okay. So pump gas, 67 horsepower. So that's our baseline. Okay. The Sunoco. 260 GT plus mm-hmm. did just under 70 horsepower. It was like 69 and change. So almost three horses difference. Almost three horses there. Uh, the Snoko EXO2 and the VPU 4.4 both did 73 horsepower. Actually, technically the, the Snoko did 74. Whoa. But they were very, very close to each other. So damn near seven horsepower gain. Yeah. And then wow. throw in the MR12 and it had 76 horsepower. So it's a nine horsepower game, but better to look at it in the sense of that was a fifteen percent horsepower. Percent, yeah. That's that's hella impressive. It's really interesting. Um, so it kind of confirmed that like I wasn't really happy with that Snoko two sixty GT plus. Didn't really seem like it worked really well on my motor. Interesting too, like my motor, especially like a single, right? The piston on that thing is so big that fuels are going to act differently just in between bikes. Like what fuel works really well on my bike may not be the fuel that works really well on let's say like a uh ninja 250 or like what's a great example would be the uh the honda cbr 650 okay you have a 650 cc four cylinder you know that's got like a long stroke so it's got a really really tiny bore that what what fuel works really well for that is probably a fuel that's not going to work really great for me in terms of you know performance gains so it was really interesting to see that that 260 GT Plus was barely better than pump fuel. Um, the only really advantage that it had was it had a higher octane, so we could run more ignition timing. Mm-hmm. Um, if we could do that with the pump gas and have it not ping, they probably would have performed exactly the same. Uh, that was really the interesting thing to see for me. And then to be like, oh, not to mention this fuel is a total pain in the ass to work with what? and clogs up my fuel filters and is generally a nightmare and wouldn't want like i was like literally told the guy like before we're pouring it in like unless this thing makes like 105 horsepower whatever number it comes up with is not worth the hassle <laughs> like totally not worth it i missed a whole weekend of racing because of what mean, it who's, did. who's buying this super high maintenance fuel what's the purpose of it I, I honestly don't know it's one of the fuels that is sold trackside at omra huh so it cheaper it's 13 bucks a gallon versus versus okay so that's a great point to bring up so yeah, premium's value. going premium's going for about 13 so 13 going about for 360 a gallon right now here okay. in portland ish uh ethanol free is about four five gallons depends where you buy it if you buy it at the track i think it's six gallons six dollars six dollars a gallon now um when you get into so almost double the price if you want to go ethanol free yeah hold on let me pull up the the vp prices because things start getting expensive pretty quick here uh so u4 is like 19 dollars a gallon from vp and exo2 the sunoco one that was slightly better is 16 dollars a gallon holy moly so there's a little bit of savings there and there's like some value in having it be like the trackside vendor so i can just buy it while i'm there and use it you have a completely opaque um not that one i don't have to worry about that oh. as much i mean you should always not keep your fuel in sunlight and like right. uv breaks down all fuels it's not good but that other sunoco is way 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 worse um i wouldn't worry about this this other one nearly as much 
Um, so it's a little bit of gain. Like the price per horsepower is pretty good there. Um, I would like to run them both and see like which one is like the better one to work with over time. Like how my fuel system looks after a season type of thing. Um, T4 is one that I wanted to test and couldn't, but that's about, uh, I think it's $16 a gallon. Oh my gosh. So it's, it's right in that mix there. Um, and that the advantage of T4 is that it's unleaded, whereas EXO2, U4, and MR12 are all leaded gasolines, or I should say leaded fuels. So, so how are you breaking down, um, I guess, overall value of each fuel? Because we're talking about, you know, um, how it's treating your your race pull position, how it's treating your engine, and how it's treating your wallet. Yeah. So those three questions being asked. Where do you place value of mm-hmm. spending four dollars mm-hmm. a gallon versus sixteen dollars a gallon? It's a really complex matrix because there isn't one thing that you can really be like. There isn't one fuel that's got it all. Right. Let's put it that way. Right. So you're going to make trade offs no matter what. And so like, take that two sixty GT plus. That's a great example of a fuel that's just way too high maintenance. It's way, 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 way too high maintenance. Like I had issues with it. Like had to learn those issues the hard way. A bunch of other guys in our paddock had to learn it the hard way. And none of us run that fuel now because it's just like, this is just guaranteed to clog. Like the creamers already have, I would say, a very weak fuel filtering system. Hmm. It's one of the weak points of the bike. So they're more sensitive to things like this just to begin with. Um, so it's like, you know, you kind of have to keep it on your mind. Like all of us have had to replace fuel pumps. All of us have had to replace fuel filters. Truthfully, if you have to replace the fuel filter on a Kramer, you have to replace the pump with it because it's just cheaper that way, <laughs> uh, just in terms of getting parts from KTM. So that's already a hassle and something you have to keep in your mind. And then you have this fuel that's super, super high maintenance. And in a way, it's good that it doesn't actually make very good power in our motors because then it makes it like not worth it. You're like, oh, it it costs... It's in the ballpark cost-wise. Like, I don't think like anyone's going to sit there and split hairs over $13 a gallon and $16 a gallon because you're still spending like 200 bucks a week on yeah, that's fuel. Yeah, a lot of money. So, you know, whatever. Um, but when it's that big of a difference in performance and in handling, you can be like, oh, okay, let's take that one off the table. Great. If anything, this, this fuel test was great at being like, oh, this really doesn't make good power. This really is showing like not great things on the dyno graph. Let's just clean our hands of it. Now you can change one aspect of it. Let's take another high maintenance fuel that makes astounding power. Let's take MR12. MR12 is liquid horsepower. And that's why it costs almost $30 a gallon. And it's almost twice the price of of the Sunoco that I was just talking about. Right. The, the 260 GT Plus. And it's 10 times the price almost of just basic. Uh, or, Pump gas. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 92 octane. But almost making 10 horsepower more on a close to 70 horsepower motor on right. this dyno. So like that's that's a lot of power. That's a lot of, you know, oomph for your dollar. Right. But MR12 is also one of those gasoline or one of those fuels that is extremely high maintenance in terms of first of all it's leaded, so like it's just always eating. Yeah, just things. destroying it. <laughs> uh, lead does nothing good to anything. Um but also it has a lot of things in it. And I've heard crazy stories about what is in MR12 to make it make the power. Like like there's solids in there. So like part of the reason it makes so much power is you're breaking the bond. Because a lot of times you're breaking the bond from a liquid to a gas. Hmm. This one you're breaking the bond from a solid to a gas. And the energy to do that is tremendous. It's a lot more volatile. 
So there's some interesting things there. Um, but it's it's just it's very caustic. It smells horrible. It's cancer in a can, basically. And like you have to flush your system out every time you use it, basically. So like And the motorcycles too, Jensen. <laughs> so like if I was to run that as a fuel, like at a minimum, I would need to at the end of my race day put, you know, pump gas through the bike so it like cleans out all the injectors and all the lines and all the cylinder head and valves and all that. Just just get the just get all that mr12 out of there <laughs> you know drain it and then run the another fuel through there yeah, so it's definitely not a gas that you can leave in the no system after no you leave it in there weekend. in a month and you just kiss your fuel system goodbye kind of thing so it's like it's it's definitely a lot more high maintenance than than some other fuels that are out there so there's that sort of like well yeah okay it's kind of a pain you're gonna have to like work for it i'm lucky i have a quick uh disconnect fuel system that i put together so i could do this test right. in a reasonable amount of time so I kind of have some of the pieces in place already to deal with it. But like, you're like, wow, MR12, really expensive, really high maintenance, but boy, does it make a ton of power. And you're like, all right, like that's all you care. If you're willing to do the work, if you're willing to have to spend the wallet, that's your gas. Right. Um, but then you can start like balancing it in where it's like, well, U4 cost a lot less. It's still leaded. So you still kind of have to like, you know, wash it through, you know, clear system afterwards. But you're not going to die from cancer nearly as quickly by handling <laughs> it. It still makes really good power. You know, we had a pretty good bump in power off of that. And, uh, you know, the EXO2 is is just the same and even cheaper. And you're like, okay, th- that's where I think the sweet spot is. Like, I kind of knew going in, like, U4 might be good. The EXO2 might be good somewhere in there. And then seeing that the powers were very, very similar with the Snoko slightly better. I was like, ooh, that just put a big check mark next to the Snoko. Because yeah. not only can I buy it trackside. So that makes it super convenient. I don't have to store gas in my house. I don't have to worry about it. Uh, I, I'm supporting one of the vendors that my track anyways. He's a super nice guy. He's a sweet old man. And it, it makes the power and it, it like it checks a lot of boxes. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna be able to keep up with some faster guys. And then you can go to like something like T4, which is an unleaded gas, which I would expect to see like maybe two, three horsepower below U4. And EXO2. Um, I'm actually, I think I'm going to do another fuel test with this because we couldn't get it in time um, and do another like comparison. But, hmm. you know, so it's unleaded. So you don't have to worry as much about it being in your your bike system. It's not going to like completely destroy it. Um, I'm trying to remember how they oxygenate. I think it's with MTBE. Yeah, MTBE. So it doesn't have ethanol in it, so you don't have to worry about it too much. Like that's a that's a fuel that you could leave in the tank for a month and not have to really worry. You shouldn't do that. Like let's just preface like that's not a good idea to do. <laughs> bad practice. It's bad practice. You should definitely empty out your tanks. But you could do it and it wouldn't be a disaster. Whereas like with the leaded gases and especially with like MR12, you're just asking for bad news bears. Um so that's like a little bit less high maintenance, it's a little bit more stable, it's a little bit cheaper. So it's like it's like what's your sweet spot? And the output is reasonably good. It's reasonable. Um the the upside with the Kramer is you wouldn't have to like dyno your bike if you ran T4. Oh. Um the our our race map uh is pretty, pretty, pretty close to what T4 is. It's it's based off of a European fuel that we don't get here, but T4 is really, really, really close to it. Um, and you would expect to see like on most dynos, like 75, 78 horsepower with it. Um, 
which on this test would have probably been closer to like 73 or whatever. I'm sure if you had to stick your tires, it'd probably have a more. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what the, the deal is. You lost a little bit of power on the initial pull. That's kind of why I want to check it out on a, on a different dyno and it's with a different thing. fuel and, and see if we can. Because it could just be my, my motor's a little clapped out and maybe needs new rings. And so it's just going to read low. Maybe it's just that one dyno we were on. That's why like I don't take a lot of stock in absolute numbers. Like someone says, like, oh, my bike made 180 horsepower. And it's like, yeah, okay. Well, what did another bike make next to it? Because right. like if you say like, yeah, I got a R6 that made 180 horsepower, I'm like, well, I would really expect to see a, a, an R1 make like yeah, 250 <laughs> because these numbers are crazy tunes. Like your the calibration's totally crazy. Um, that's a bike night dyno is trying to make you look yeah, good. Yeah, <laughs> right? So it's like, okay, we'll see. Um, so this one was like a little surprisingly low, but you know, you don't take too much into it. And I don't really care about that number. I just care about the relative number. As long as it doesn't indicate that something's wrong with the motor. And that's the only thing we need to verify. Um, so it's really interesting. Like, I think coming out of this, like that that Sunoco EXO2, I think that's going to be my fuel for the season, Shaheen. Nice. Um, I really like the idea that I can get it at the track. That makes my life so much easier not carrying around like full bottles of gasoline everywhere. Um, I'm going to miss having gasoline in your uh, guest bathroom. Yeah, my insurance company isn't though. It's a nice, uh, it's a nice, you know, it's like a um, poopery kind of smell. Mm-hmm. You don't smell anything else. Yeah, it just hits you it right in the nostrils. Everything. The best part about it is, by the time you come out of the guest bathroom, your nostrils are so fried. Oh yeah, you can't smell any of Coda Kitty's poop that's Nothing. in the guest bedroom. You can't smell your own poop. Yeah, it's beautiful. As as nature intended it to be. You know, it gives you a little extra character in your everything. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, Shaheen. There is a part of me when you crunch the numbers okay. that makes an argument for MR12. Which is? Because like the, the, normally the pushback to MR12 is just, it's so fucking expensive. Mm-hmm. But That's a lot of money. That's double the money. You do the math. I really only use like five, six gallons of gas a weekend. And I'm already spending like 500 bucks a weekend on race fees. What's another, what's another $300? No, no, not even. <laughs> it's like $50. Because huh. it's only it's only um, like ten bucks more a gallon, fifteen bucks more a gallon. All right. So you're only spending like fifty, seventy dollars more, and you're like, but I'm making five five more horsepower. I guess the question really to ask, you know, for for the the home racer who is really having the nickel and dime to figure out what they're going to do with their money, because m- most of the people we know that do this aren't coming from a lot of money, they're working regular jobs and having to do what there is. So. If you got to ask yourself, how many races am I doing this year? How many gallons am I going to go through? And is it going to be worth the extra, you know, whatever percentage extra that money is going to be to gain? A, how much time do you think you're going to gain per lap? Like, what's a, a percentage wise, right? I mean, that's an interesting thing. Like, from so, so great example. So I ran uh, last year, I ran either pump gas or 260 GT plus. Right. So. Uh, and I, I couldn't really tell you a big difference in lap time between those two, but I think a lot of that comes down to just like my skills were progressing so quickly through the season. I mean, it dropped seven seconds over the course of the season, so it's it's kind of hard to make like a good comparison test. Yeah, I don't think six extra horsepower is going to give you that kind of time. No, well, I would say let's let's put it this way, right? Like, let's say I go from two sixty GT plus, which I said made what seventy seventy horsepower, sixty sixty nine horsepower, sixty nine ish to seventy ish to what was it? 76 with MR12. So right. let's say there's a six horsepower gain 
to be had there. Right. And maybe a little bit more if you like spend some time on the dyno tuning it, like a couple hours. With six extra horsepower, I'm trying to think what I could get out of it. Because the the front straightaway is 30 seconds long. And the back straightaway is 20 seconds or so. There might be, there's at least half a second in there. There's at least a half a second with that much horsepower. And you had races with that half a second's a winner. Oh, yeah. Oh, more than than one. I'd be curious because, you know, there was no real control last year because your skills grew exponentially, right? Yeah. But do you think you'd ever do a controlled track day where you bring five different fuels like you did and actually see what the real data on the track looks like? I would like to do that. I really, really would. Um, and that's probably the follow-up to this. This is probably going to end up being like a three-part story. Um, this is all part of the Gone Racing series? Yeah. Nice. And I'm going to try to get this out uh, ASAP. I just got to do the second the second dyno thing to do the T4 and, and make sure my motor is not... Possible. I have like four weeks until my season starts. Yeah, dude, like, that's coming up. Yeah, and I was just talking to Joe at Kramer, and he's like, ooh, that number's really low. Either that dyno's you know, lower than we were expecting or there's something wrong for motor. Like you need new piston or sorry, not new piston, but new rings. Rings, And then like, so we need to go and confirm that it's just dynos reading different numbers and not something wrong with motor. Like if I go to another different dyno and I see numbers in the sixties, I got a motor problem. I got to take care of that before the season starts. If we see something that's closer to 70 horsepower on pump, 75 horsepower on race gas, then we just know it's differences. What's in dynos. the horsepower on those things? 84. Uh, advertised is 75 horsepower uh, at the wheel with race gas. Well, you're not that far. I'm not that far, but I'm that far. Yeah. Well, you know, do you, do you like your bike, Jensen? Do I like my bike? Yeah. I love my bike. Well, then put a ring on it. <laughs> is it I think it's two rings, actually. <laughs> two rings on is it. Is it two or three? It's probably one's two. One's a promise ring. The other one's an engagement ring yeah. for winning races. The last time I rode the bike, I didn't notice any discernible horsepower differences between the other Kramers. So I, I'm inclined to believe it's just dyno numbers being dyno numbers. I, I bet it's the dyno numbers. I bet it's you using slicks on a cold day on a dyno. Yeah. I, I, I think it's totally ex- explainable for yeah. just just what it is. Um, that's fine. That's fine. Um, but yeah, I think we'll do another, another run just to confirm it. So that's peace of mind. And I'll, it'll let me evaluate one more fuel. Um, and then, but yeah, I think we'll have a follow up probably once we tune the bike. Once, so I'll pick my fuel, which I think is going to be EXO two, and then tune that bike up. That'll probably be another story, like the value of like getting a full tune and like finding all the little nooks and crannies of power and, and all that. And then so the darn thing is like we don't have a track day really where I can test this stuff until like we're well into the summer. Yeah, I don't know when the first track day with Motocorsa is. Yeah, it's like June or July. Oh, it's they're like pushing it's super way back. late. Yeah. Um, so, but I, that would be fun to sit down. Like, I'll still have all these fuels, right. and I'll have all the maps, and just sit there with the computer, go out, do a session, bang out some bangers, come back in, and see what the real world application is. Yeah, because you're absolutely right. It, it's totally easy to sit here and talk about fifteen percent more horsepower, right? But you know, it's one thing what gets shown on a dyno, and it's a totally another thing to to get it out on the racetrack when the Actual bike has real like, world application. Yeah, when the when there's a different load, you know, actually have a load on the bike. You know, 500 pounds of mana machine. You know, the temperature coming into the intake is 100 degrees instead right. of you know 60, and all the things. 
I think that's absolutely a great idea. But it's a super, the whole thing with fuel is super interesting on just all the technical aspects of it, leaded versus unleaded, high octane, low octane, the, the, um, uh, the pressure it creates in the, in the combustion chamber, all things that take consideration that the surface area of the piston has a huge play in it. Like that's Mm -hmm. one of the things that we were a little worried about MR 12. It's such a fast burning fuel and the piston is so big on the Kramer. We just like, weren't sure if it was going to work okay with it. Like, like a little too volatile for that. Yeah. Like a little too volatile, um, too explosive. Do you think that, um, it's fair to say that the leaded fuels are more performance oriented then? It seems like you get it, you're getting more consistent well, power with them. So we get in this is a super interesting conversation. And I I don't know a ton about this. So like I'm gonna try and like just squeak my way through it. But leaded gas versus unleaded gas. Let it leaded gases are really ping resistant they're really resistant to pre-detonation mm-hmm. that's part of the reason like why we put lead and gas in the first place then we started figuring out like hey that's like really bad for things <laughs> like the environment everything people and metal <laughs> like it just it's just bad news bears down the line yeah, i wonder how long before it's outlawed right uh oh no it already is outlawed oh. but lead gas is out that's why we have all pump gases on leaded no no no. i mean just even for well, race fuel California will be the first place to really take the lead yeah. on that. Um, it gets sticky wicked because it's always off track only kind of stuff. And then like it kind of gets weird with like two strokes and four strokes. But so octane rating, like a lot, I think people get really confused on. Oh, there's totally a dude on this roof over here. What's up, bro? What's up, dude? Totally glad I got my pants on. Okay. Um, His loss. <sighs> you know what? Hey, if you're on a building's roof next to my house and you see me naked walking around my house that's a you problem that's right not a me problem gonna get jensen porky pig in it in his own house i I am in this comfort of my own home what i do here (laughs) with consenting adults and proper safe words is none of your damn business (laughs) go to kitty go to attack kill (laughs) kill kill um what were we talking about uh octane ratings octane ratings people think when they go to the pump that like 89 octane versus 92 octane that's all that this is the better fuel it's going to make more power <laughs> that's not what octane rating means no. so octane rating is how resistant it is to pre-detonation the more octane chains there are the harder it is to break down that fuel to burn it um so that becomes an element like you have to have like if you have like a really high compression engine if yeah. you force induction the, depending the way the cylinder is shaped and the piston you might need a certain octane rating to make it not ping and might pre-detonate. Um, then there's like oxygenation into the fuel. Like uh, MR12 is highly oxygenated. I think it's like 9% oxygen. Hmm. What is what is the rating here? Uh, something stupid. I think U4 is like 8% or 7.8% like that. Hmm. Uh, whereas that like that GT plus that Sunoco was like 26 so it's all these different things where like, is it oxygenated with ethanol or is it oxygenated with MTBE? Is it just a naturally oxygenated fuel with fucking gamma rays in it? I mean, who knows what craziness they're make they're cooking up in the laboratory. There's so many things and like, I'm not doing any of it justice. And I probably said a couple of things that are wrong, but it's just the point that take home you should take from it is that it's just a really complex thing. And like, this is, this is where secret sauce is 
super made. This is why every MotoGP team has a major fuel oil company thing that they're tied to, whether it's like the factory, like Yamaha Yamalube one, right. or it's like Ducati with Shell, Patronus, the Patronus uh, Yamaha team. Patronus is the Malaysian like country subsidized oil company. Repsol, Repsol Honda. Yeah. I mean, X-Star, Suzuki, like, they, all of them have uh, a component of this because it is so, so, so integrally important the secret to sauce, them making man. power and protecting the engines they make. That's the other thing where it's like, you, you know, for a race engine, like you want a little bit more octane in there because you just want to protect the engine from detonating on itself. Mm. Like running pump gas isn't necessarily a great idea. Uh, it's not a bad idea. Like I did half a season on it. There's people that race on pump gas all the time, but you do have to be wary of it. And there's there's some value to saying, like, especially if you have a couple thousand bucks in your motor, if you start working on things, saying like, hey, I'm going to protect my investment by running instead of like 92, I'm just going to run a really mild like 100 octane mm-hmm. just to have that extra protection with the with the octane rating uh, on the pre-detonation. I don't really necessarily care about the power. I just want to protect my investment. If we have any listeners who are scientists and understand this octane mm. thing, write to us at webraptalk at gmail.com. Yeah, that'd be cool. Tell us things. We want to learn more. It's so fascinating. And the more I talk to people about it and the more I learn, like it's just it's like one of the cooler like geek out things you can do. And you just sit there and like, oh, oh, that's interesting. Oh, You're yeah. gonna start a whole new thread on, you know, motorcycle chat rooms about what's your favorite oil? What's your favorite tire? What's your oh, favorite yeah? what's your favorite gasoline? And it really comes down to like, well, what's your, like, it really comes down to what motor are you running? Because so like for this example, that Sunoco and that VP, right. They were basically identical. Well, that's on my engine. Put those two fuels in an inline four and you might see something different. Put those two fuels. I I should say that was in my engine on that day under those conditions. Right. Put those two fuels on a hundred degree, 110 degree day. And you might see a difference. In fact, I've heard that there's a pretty good difference between those two in different temperatures. Well, I mean, everything that's applied to a race vehicle is so incredibly dynamic based on so many different factors, which is why every professional race team has engineers on board that, that handle stuff like this all the time. Things are changing constantly, whether it's the amount of oxygen based on the elevation that you're racing at or you know, the, the air quality or anything. If your racer ate two hamburgers that day or not, you know, had a salad. Yeah, I mean everything's everything's a little bit like case by case and relative relativistic. Um, but like that's another thing that so like fascinates me about this, Shaheen, is like just the idea of that like a good fuel for a single cylinder might not be a good fuel for a four cylinder, which might not be a good fuel for a forced induction motor versus right. like a naturally aspirated motor versus a water ski motor water ski personal watercraft motor, water ski versus, motor. Uh, i like water ski motor better water ski motors this is That's the 80s again. great great business idea <laughs> <laughs> um it's just like it's just fascinating because there's just there's just so so many variables at play um i could just yeah i could just be a big nerd about it all day long um and i like that's one of those things that's like really been interesting for me is like getting into this racing thing where it's like oh here's something i really just don't know a lot about right because no one really knows that much about fuel in fact it's funny like you talk to i talk to the tire people they talk about how like there's no college course there's nothing like you can take before you work for pirelli or michelin or whoever 
<laughs> that like can it's get also you proprietary. Yeah, that can get you ready for being like a tire engineer. You kind of have to learn it on the job. And then like once you get there, you start realizing like there's so much secret sauce. Like there's so many different polymers you can create and so many different ways you can create a carcass and da 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 da. And you know, it's always advancing. And it's like you really have to like like one guy said he's like, I got a PhD in Pirelli. <laughs> you know, because it's like I just I learned so much more while I was here. And I think it's the same with fuel, where it's like I'm sure there's chemical engineering programs that teach you a lot about hydrocarbons and like fuels and in general, but I bet you really don't learn like true mastery of a fuel until you start working at a shell or an Exxon or a BP or, or a VP racing or a Sunoco uh, or an elf or one of these places that makes like a very specialized fuel because it's just, there's just so much to it. And, um, Getting to see like a little window of that's been been very very cool, and a nice little side benefit to racing. It's all for science. For science, for this science, really anything that you do at asphalt and rubber is for science. To, mm, no, not really. Not really. No, not really. No, no, not a lot. I wouldn't say no. I mean, if there was extra tax savings and benefits because you did it for science, for then science, oh, everything's for science. Yeah, mostly do it for the clicks. The two hamburgers, science. So full. What did you learn yesterday, Jensen? Don't eat two hamburgers in one day. Why? Because you get fat and uncomfortable. <laughs> what if I'm already fat? Well, you get fatter. Oh. Um, I got one more thing and then I want to get out of the show because I don't want to do another two-hour show. I think I know what you want to talk about next. Yeah, do you? What do you want to talk about? Is it about that it guy is. that's uh, totally uh, unemployed right sacked? now? <laughs> totally guy looking for a new job? Totally doesn't have a job anymore. I'm you- talking about you, Mr. Matt Levitich. Oh, Levitich. What happened? So, so I'm writing a story. It's called, okay, Harley, what next? <laughs> because I do not understand this, Shaheen. Like, so, so for those that don't know, Harley Davidson and their CEO, Matt Levitich, parted ways, aka homie got fired. He was all, get out. Um, it's never, it's just like your, your relationships in high school. It's never mutual. <laughs> no, it's not them. It's you. <laughs> it's if, it, if they say it's not you, it totally is you. It's super you. Um, but like this one, like I kind of get it since, since he came on board, the stock price has gone down like 42%, I believe. Over, that's significant. That's basically over a five year period. Yep. And I could be like, Hey, if you're a shareholder, I can see why you're pissed off and you want something to change. My problem is, is like, what would you have wanted him to do that he didn't do? Other than like, like, okay, moved more production out of USA, got a smaller union workforce, came out with a more diversified product line, which included not making cruisers, or I shouldn't say not making cruisers, but included making bikes that weren't cruisers. Non-cruisers, right. Was the first OEM to make a a full-size electric motorcycle. Came up with a business plan that reached out to minorities, women, and younger riders. Um, you know, got rid of dealers that were dead weight. What else did you want him to do? What else is there? Like they're doing everything they can. Like I think there's something lamp. Hello, right? Like there's something to be said about execution. Like maybe he could have, and his team could have executed those plans more effectively. But like, like, like they're doing all the things that we've been saying for the last ten years. You got to do, and there has to be an understanding of like. Hey, this is going to get worse before it gets better. Like we got to take turn this ship around and it's going to take us a while to make that turn and you got to have a little faith. Like a lot of the stuff that they're doing wasn't really going to drop until 2021. Right. And so like I sit there and I'm just like so you're going to fire this guy because like the stock price went down, but of 
course the stock price is going to go down. And it was always going to go down. It's going to keep going down. I mean, someone's got to get blamed for it at the end of the day, Jensen. That's fair. The board doesn't want to be the one that gets blamed for it. That's that's honestly one of the downsides of being a C-level employee at a place, especially when you're a CEO. You're going to end up taking the blame for it. Look at Look at Nissan. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. But like I just, you're the board and it's like, okay, now what? What, what are you going to do? Yeah. You're going to hire, hire a guy that's going to come and do the exact same thing? That seems like a really stupid thing to do. That's, that's so common, I think, in business where something goes awry and they get to the point where even if they're at the precipice of it going in a new direction, there's like a lack of, of uh, I guess, confidence or maybe patience or both. And they think if they change the person that's at the helm, that they're suddenly going to change direction that quickly, not realizing that this is such a long process. This is this is a it's not a car, it's a fucking train. It's it's like having actually seen ships have to slow down and turn around and, right. and like the miles long process that is, that's what it is to me. It's yeah. like this is a giant oil tanker. So you're throwing filled your captain, to the brim. You're throwing your captain out right as he started to turn the wheel on this thing yeah. and it's barely start to nudge towards the direction that you know he he tried to set and so yeah you can you can look at this from i'll do you one better one okay. better analogy okay i like it i like analogies this is like that keanu reeves movie where they're on the the bus that they can't slow down what, what was that called <laughs> with, with, with sandra bullock oh god <laughs> someone's screaming at the at their tv or their uh car right now Hold on. I'm going to Google Keanu Reeves bus movie. Speed. 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 This is like speed. I kept thinking death race. (laughs) This is like, this is like speed, right? And, and like, you know that part where like, he's like on like a door and they're like dropping him underneath the bus. Right. But okay. So the bus is already stuck. Like Sandra Bullock's already at the steering wheel. She's got to keep it over 55. It's about to go over the freeway thing. They have to make that stupid jump. Like they're all about to die. It's a totally realistic jump. And and Keanu Reeves is like Matt Levitich and he's on like the little door and they're like like dropping him in there with like a rope on the ground kind of thing. <laughs> and it's like the the Harley Davidson board is all the other cops that are in the car that are like lowering Matt Levitich into right. the bus. And it's like one of them looked up and was like, Holy shit, we're about to go off the freeway. This is totally fucked. And they're just like, let go of the rope, let Keanu Reeves die. And it's like, no, 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 no. The bus was always going to go off the freeway. It was always going to be doing 55 across the freeway in the air with Sandra Bullock holding on for dear life. And dude man's in there trying to fix that shit, make it all right for you. And you just totally, literally threw him under the bus at the last minute when he was trying to save the day. The path is predetermined. Just let the fucking thing go. Uh, That being said, the poor guy doesn't have a whole lot of fans because there's (laughs) there's been a lot of... You know, I always say progress, not perfection. And in the in the process of trying to create progress here, he's come through with a lot of imperfection <laughs> and a lot of not great ideas. But that's part of progress. You, you got to try. And so, unfortunately, when you're at that level, when you're a CEO, you end up being the scapegoat. You end up being the bad guy, whether you are or not. And I don't, I don't know his story well enough. Um. He he's an interesting he's he's one of those like came up through the ranks of Harley. Um he's one of the people that turned around MV Augusta when mm-hmm. Harley Davidson owned it. I think I think honestly if Harley had held on to MV Augusta and and they were absolutely right to get rid of it. But if they had held on to it, MV Augusta would be a very interesting dynamic brand right now. They were the ones that basically built the three-cylinder platform for MV or or basically funded it and mm-hmm. helped develop it, which is like a huge part of what's keeping MV afloat right now. 
Um, you know, he's like, to, from my perspective, he seems like the switched on boomer that actually knows what the fuck like younger riders want and is like, hey, <laughs> he's at that middle, like somewhere in the middle. I know what a motorcycle looks like that isn't a cruiser. <laughs> you know, like, like I actually had a lot of faith when they brought him on board because you had Keith Wendell came in and he's like a consummate accountant, cleaned house, took Harley Davidson from a company that was acting like it was making half a million bikes and turned it into a company that was built around making a quarter million bikes, which is how many they were actually building. So you got rid of tons of dead weight, tons of efficiencies on the balance sheet, income statements, cash flows, like just clean, cleaned Harley Davidson up for the company that it was. And then you bring in someone like Matt Lavatich, who's got like a little bit more vision. He's got a little bit bigger plan. Hey, this is the company that we need to become, you know, like Wendell make Harley Davidson the company that it is. Lavatich is making it the company that has to become. And his board of directors just totally like just threw him under the bus like Keanu Reeves. And, you know, I think that was a really dumb move. So for time being, a board member is taking over yes. as acting CEO, and they're looking for new talent, essentially, to replace Matt. Yes. How terrifying of a prospect is that? Usually you do that before you fire the guy. Right. Uh, and that's the other part where you can tell, like, they just were like, let's just get rid of him. That there was no real planning. Like when you don't have like a clear successor, right. <laughs> that that's like a sign. Like oh no no no, no. this wasn't mutual. Yeah, you fired him. <laughs> you got to go, man. Because <laughs> you can't look for a, his replacement while he's still CEO and not have have him know that. So I guess um, you know now now you're hoping that somebody else who believes in themselves and thinks they know how to turn this or continue the turn the ship started to make, uh, and has a big enough ego that says I can handle this. I'm going to come on board. I'm going to fix everything at Harley. Yeah. I mean, so, so it's Yoshin Zeitz is the interim CEO. Now he's an ex Puma footwear apparel guy. He's a, he's a, he's a fashion guy basically. Um, and that's, I think he'll either stay on and become full-time CEO or they will hire someone similar to him. Like I could see them, Poaching a Nike executive, poaching a Louis Vuitton executive, poaching a Ray-Ban executive, Oakley executive, someone that's in the lifestyle apparel space because I think they're going to – the only thing I can see for Harley-Davidson, like, okay, what's next? You get more into the lifestyle part of it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> which is nothing new to Harley. Which is nothing new to Harley. And that's like the only thing that's like – that's the only thing that the all – was it mini roads to Harley-Davidson – Mini roads. I think that's what they called their plan. All I know Mini is roads. I didn't grow up with a picture of a Polaris on my wall. Jackson. Oh, burn. Uh, that's a whole other thing <laughs> or we can talk about. For that matter. <laughs> or either of those I bikes. I believe I had a Ducati 916S <laughs> on my wall yeah. when I was a kid. <laughs> I, was, I had cars, and none of them were like American Buicks. <laughs> nope, I had a white 1989.5 Countach with gold wheels on it. Yes. Yeah, that one too? And that one too. Yeah. Had a, I had a Countach, an F40, yep. and I had a Diablo, and a Porsche... At a Cobra one four twenty seven. Oh, it was the old Porsche? What was the Spider? James Dean? Not the nine five. Oh, the five five five. Yes, the five five zero or nine five. Well, the nine five nine was that badass all wheel no, drive. No, 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 not that one. Ugh, car. That was that was too early or too late. Uh, was James Dean Spider? Let me Google that for you. It's the one he died in. Five, yeah, five fifty. Yeah, you're, you're right. Yeah, I had one of those on my wall. Yeah, I didn't have any Harley Davidsons. But yeah, I, I could see like that's the only <laughs> thing that in, in Matt Levitch's plan that wasn't really like clear was like how you're gonna make this like cool and lifestyle again. 
And I think that's where they're going to go with it. I think they're going to find some sort of apparel brand, some sort of premium apparel brand that's got a very strong lifestyle center. Like Oakley makes a ton of sense when I hear it in my head. I wonder if they're going to find someone that's like maybe 45 and younger that maybe has a little more. That'll be interesting. Idea of the, you know, the yeah. pulse of the current buyer, right? Because yeah. the whole joke behind Harley is the, the boomers that own it and buy it. And they're going away. We've talked about this before. I mean, Levitich was fifty. Was he still is fifty five? Well, he's, he's not died. dead. <laughs> Harley took him out. They really take him. it seriously. When you're fired, you're fired. And Harley, when they fire you, they literally fire a gun into your head. Um, he's. I mean, he's fifty five years old, which is still skewing pretty young for them. Right. When you think about it. Not for Harley, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. If they, you know, it would be interesting to see if they got someone in their forties or at least in their early fifties. Yeah. Uh, I think that'll say a lot. I just, I literally just sit there and just like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do that you weren't already trying? Unless you're telling me like he was just doing such a shitty, like great ideas, bad implementation. He was doing such a bad job getting those ideas implemented, which case I'd still be like, well, it sounds like a team issue. Unless you're going to fire all your like upper and middle management as well. What are you going to change? I mean, with, with sales, you know, there's a lot of different stories, right? You've got the numbers side, which kind of tells you the after effect of the sale. But there's that whole like the lead up part, right? The the marketing and the 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 culture and everything you've created to bring the potential buyer into your whatever it is you're selling that then creates the numbers that you can talk about later on. So I, I feel like the thing that Harley is missing and we're trying to, I guess, kind of work with was finding out a way to market their new product, that their new idea and their new vision to a whole new set of buyers, a younger set of buyers. And who better to kind of understand that than someone that's in the thick of it? How are you going to bring a 50-something-year-old, 60-something-year-old person that is going to somehow relate to a to you? How are they going to sell you a Harley? Yeah, it's a right? great question. Good luck, right? That's, a, that's an uphill battle. And you need someone that's got the right ideas and, and maybe has experience in that already. Because the product's already there. The culture's already there. But now it's just the idea of shifting it to the to the attention of the right buyer, which is a younger group that's going to grow old with Harley again. That that group's already come and gone, and so it's time for a new set. And if they keep doing the same old stuff, they're they're just not going. It's going to be continuous loss. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I think you bring up a great point. Is like how are you going to sell someone like you and I a Harley Davidson? Right. Especially when for the last. I was going to say 20 years or whatever, but it's really more than that. It's really been a lot longer than that. Let's, let's say it started in the 80s. Let's be let's be conservative, straight to say it started in the 80s. The last 40 years. Right. For the last 40 years, you've been doing a really good job of trying not to sell me a bike. Like, because I'm just not your guy. Right. Literally, I'm not your guy. You're not even thinking about women. You're not even thinking about, you know, other people. You're just, you're just trying to sell it to middle-aged white dudes. Mm-hmm. And that's all your branding and your branding. Like, truthfully, I've, I'm offended by most of Harley Davidson's branding as an American. That's very patriotic. That takes a lot of pride in being an American and being the descendant of immigrants that came here and helped build America. My family literally settled California. My dad's family literally settled Oregon. Like this is a huge thing of like, that's in like my own personal like story. And my DNA is, is how like we're an American story. And you use it for marketing purposes. You put a screaming eagle, badass motherfucker flag on it. Shut up and ride. Like American flag, all this stuff. Like you use Americanism 
and American patriotic symbols for marketing purposes. And that offends me as an American. Yeah, it's a bit of a caricature. So now, like, now you want me to buy one of your motorcycles? Good luck. Well, I mean, above and beyond their their brand and what they're showing you, what do they have that appeals to you, right? Right. None of the bikes I look at, like, oh, I want to have that. I mean, I, I was talking about how I'd gone to the, the auto show a couple of weeks ago and kind of walked around and looked at a couple of Harleys because I hadn't really put my eyes on them. But to me, one of the most iconic Harleys was the Fat Boy. And that's changed in sort of, I believe, a good way. It's a much more modernized looking bike. It's got really clean lines to it. it it's like sculpted just right. And and for a minute, it got my attention. I actually sat there and scratched my head and said, I could, I could see me kind of low and slow on this thing, putzing around with my wife. But like, I didn't know about that bike until I literally stumbled on it. So what are they doing to get the attention of the the new, just, I mean, think about it, right? I'm 41 years old. I'm at the point in my life where if I wanted something like that, I could just walk to the dealership and buy it. But how are you going to get my attention? How are you going to get me to go to a Harley shop and look at that? If I'm not already part of the diehard bar, you know, bar and shield branded tattooed guy. If I'm not already walking to that shop, how are you going to get me in there? And that's the question every brand should ask. How are we going to generate more interest in the thing that we're trying to do? And have you been in a Ducati dealership lately? I had to go buy uh, Christmas gifts from a Ducati dealership mm -hmm. this last Christmas. And like it had been a while like until, like, since I'd really spent time. In Ducati a, or Harley? Sorry, did I say Ducati? I yeah. Harley Davidson. Drink. Drink. Drink your, drink your dues. <laughs> drink your doozers. Um, and I was like, wow, this is culturally so different from what i'm used to and so culturally different from what like i attribute with motorcycling this is a different world now i often say it you have to divide the american motorcycle industry into two halves you have harley davidson and every, everyone else and the only thing they have in common is that they're centered around two-wheel vehicles that's it. and that's it mm -hmm. you know it's like saying bicycles and roller skates are the same thing because <laughs> they're really not they uh, both move you yeah i don't know that's a it's a tough it's a tough nut to crack because nobody knows what that magic bullet is, right? How do you, how do you do that? How do you bring everybody in to buy your thing? If that was the case, everyone would be a billionaire. We'd figure out a way to have fifty thousand listeners yeah. per show, right? And this is why I, I said this a long time. I actually said this close to when I started Asphalt and Rubber. Harley Davidson needs to be a company that acquires other brands because you can only take the Harley Davidson brand so far so quickly. And yeah. I think I think we're at that point where we've kind of proved that we're like, hey, for the last ten years. You've been slowly trying to change for the last five years with Matt Levitich. You've been really trying to change to the point like you're making some huge changes now. Right. And we're seeing how resistant the brand is to those changes because you've done such an amazing job for the 30 years before that of pigeon your, pigeonholing yourself into this one place. It's actually a really good point I think you just made. I'm thinking of like... I make a lot of good points. Well, I mean, you, you, Come you on. say a lot of things. Come on, Jensen. man. I got, give, I me some give you credit where it's due, Jensen. credit around here. Jesus, too many crap. I bought you lunch. <laughs> That's fair. You did. It but was you delicious. bought me Mountain Dew. It was delicious. It did. Mountain Don't. <laughs> um, think of the automotive industry. Like in the 80s and late 80s, early 90s, we started seeing this interesting little thing that the Japanese brand started doing. Honda said, hey, we're, we're Honda and we sell Hondas, but we want to create a car that's slightly you know, higher quality, mm -hmm. better fit and mm -hmm. finish, more luxurious, mm -hmm. and is going to you know, be more interesting to that college graduated yuppie. Right, that mm -hmm. wants to say I've made it. So then they created Acura. Hey, um, you're you're a doctor now, and you uh, you're going to the fancy fancy doctor dinner yeah, thing. You're buying a Toyota. You drive a Lexus. Yeah. Are you going to show up in your Toyota? You're going to show up in your Honda. Real practical. Right. Real practical move. I bet that's a great people mover. 
Are you going to show up in your your Lexus? Right. Or your but the Acura? smart thing was they didn't just create another brand. Yeah. They they were super aggressive about creating a whole experience behind it, a whole new identity. Right. From minute one, when you bought a Lexus, you didn't go to a Toyota dealership. You went to a really luxurious and handsomely made Lexus dealership that like treated you like royalty. I remember my stepdad was interested in buying an LS 400. This is 1993. And when we went to the dealership and we, we, you know, we're Middle Eastern, bro. We're all about Mercedes. (laughs) But like when we went to the dealership, both he and I, I was just a little kid. I was very new to America, but I was just like, this is way different than the Mercedes dealership. Even like this has such a, like a cool vibe to it. It feels newer. It feels more exciting. Like they're really wanting to showcase how cool and like up to date this car is. And we both knew it's a fucking Toyota. But it was like, it had that little extra something to it. And one of the biggest problems that I see in the motorcycle side is like, take for instance, Ducati and the Scrambler brand. The Scrambler brand is constantly shown to you as a different entity from Ducati. But where do you buy it? At a Ducati yeah. dealership. What is yeah. it next to? Another yeah. Ducati. Yeah. Right? So uh, nothing wrong with that. It's a much smaller scale than say Toyota, which is a humongous company. But even if Harley was go- going to create a different brand, they, they sort of teased us a little bit with, you know, Buell, which then was EBR, and that was kind of gone because they were constantly trying to shove that into the typical Harley buyer's throat at a Harley dealership who walked in and said, I would never sit on this rocket. Like, yeah, but it's an American-made <laughs> sports bike. I think I think that's the perfect point because it, all the brands you just mentioned, other than the car brands, didn't do it far enough. Like, I, I think... Do, Ducati's mistake with the Scrambler brand is not making it even more of a separate unit. Right. Um, and part of that problem is, and part of that stigma is like, oh, it's it's like a Ducati, but it's it's Scrambler Ducati, but it's in the dealership, but it still says Ducati on it. Is it Ducati? Is it something else? Like, the Ducati Scrambler sub-brand sits in a very, like, uh, ambiguous state in my mind, where it's not quite outside of the company, and it's not quite inside the company, or I should say the, the main brand. It's just kind of in this like purgatory, right? But and but they did okay with it. But I think the bigger point with Harley, like you said, with Buell, they had the right idea. Like, hey, not Harley Davidson branded. It's Buell. This is something else. This is completely different. It this is our sport bike brand. And then they fucked it up on impl- implementation. Like, no, no, no. It has to use our air cooled V twin engines that we use in the choppers, uh. and we gotta <laughs> sell them in the Harley Davidson dealerships, even though the Harley Davidson dealerships don't want them. And like it's just like you got it all wrong in the implementation. And now it's 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 struggling. Like I think one of the greatest things Harley Davidson did was buy MV Augusta and say like, hey, here's a whole another brand. We're not gonna do anything with it. They're gonna have their own dealerships. We're gonna make their like we're just gonna give them money and research and development and get their books right and turn them around on a business level level and let them do their thing that they do so well. Right. And if they were really smart, then they would have looked and bought like Husqvarna because KTM eventually bought their gas gas or one of these other brands that right. you know, like, okay, now we got our dirt bikes, you know, component, but we'll keep it completely separate. And like maybe there's like Hog Motorcycles is like the parent company that owns Gas Gas. Yeah, but you don't Harley see Davidson. the bar shield anywhere near it. You just yeah. know that because you're a well-educated or well-informed person and you just right. read about this stuff. And you just because because you need to have that 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 different messaging, you need to have those different brands, those different locations, those different groups. Understand there's different buyers for mm-hmm. these machines. And like Harley Davidson's like trying to do they're trying to do a Honda thing and still be Harley Davidson. And like those two things don't work. No, they don't work at the same time. You can't be you can't be Acura and Honda at the same time. No, you got to separate them. And like, 
I don't get, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. I, I just, that ship sailed so long ago. So, I mean, so this, you know, go back circle, full circle. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, hopefully these are conversations that are being had in the big offices of Harley Davidson where they're talking about what do we do? What What's next, right? We keep saying it. If you keep doing what you do, you're going to keep getting what you got. And if, and if you're trying to make a Ooh, difference. I like that. Like that. Yeah, some old school knowledge. Uh, if you want to make a big difference, you have to do something completely different. And that's risky and it's scary and it's going to cost money and it might fail. Right? Progress, not perfection. Yeah. If you're going to continue to want to change, you have to continue to, pro- you know, progress in a certain, in a direction that you've sort of said, all right, I'm going to go that way also aside from this. But, um, uh, Again, I hope that Harley ends up bringing on someone that's completely different than what they've had. Someone that's younger, maybe even a female CEO, someone that has a different vision altogether. Someone that speaks differently, breeds differently, looks differently and says, hey, we got to try something way different. Knowing that Harley Davidson, as the giant ship as it is, it's still going the course that it's going to go. Yeah. Right? So I I have hopes. I've always said that about Harley. I, I have hopes. They're very big and they're... They're so influential in the, at least in the North American motorcycle um, industry, that you know all the all the rest of these remoras that kind of swim along with them are hoping that they do something. Right? <laughs> That's a great way of describing it. Because I was just about to say, and I was thinking in my head, I think there's a certain amount of Harley Davidson's failure that is dragging down the motorcycle industry. And I would love to see someone tease out the data. Um, maybe if the MIC made data available to other people like, mm. that know statistics mm. and can do mm. those kind of things, I'm just saying maybe. But I bet you could find there's got to be a net negative effect that people that aren't buying Harley Davidsons are not Harley Davidson customers, but because Harley Davidson isn't out there doing marketing about motorcycles, it's dragging down other things. Like, right. I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I bet you see a Harley Davidson ad. I bet there's instances where someone sees a Harley Davidson ad and they go, not really for me, don't like Harleys, but I do think I want a motorcycle. Right. Maybe I'll go buy that Honda or that Ducati or that Yamaha or that KTM, that dirt bike, that sport bike, that adventure bike. You know, I don't, I didn't want this cruiser, but that got me thinking about other types of motorcycles. And because Harley Davidson's had such a huge slide in sales, that that's rippling into the other markets purely because people are thinking about motorcycles less. Right. Not necessarily that it's just cruiser motorcycles. I have a business idea, Jensen. Lay it on me. We're going to go to Harley. Okay. We're going to create a marketing, like, analytic company uh-huh. that's parented by Harley, but our job will be to lift up the entire industry. Okay. Right? And we're going to use the muscle and power that's Harley behind us without ever saying we're Harley and just working with other manufacturers to bring up their marketing so that more eyes are on motorcycles in a positive manner. It is kind of like everyone's in this together kind of thing. Right. And, that, and truthfully, that's what the MIC is for. That's where they're supposed to come yeah, together. But you never, the MIC is such a secretive fucking thing. It's it's ridiculous to me. I, I, lay, I lay a lot of blame at the MIC and the AMA. Oh my God, the AMA is doing so many stupid things with club racers right now. <laughs> uh, that's a whole nother podcast. That's I got to write that story and get yeah, that, yeah, that, that locked down that first. But like that's just oh my god! But that, that's the thing. Like I lay so much blame at these organizations, and they are run by old white dudes. And every time I see them electing new people to their boards, it's old white dudes that have been in this industry for fucking eighty years and think it can only be done in a certain way. And it's like this idea of just like I don't know. Let's have a roundtable discussion yeah. about what's wrong for our industry. But let's only invite all the people that are the 
reason the industry is so fucked up, which I've seen happen a couple times now. Meanwhile, you have small companies like Tobacco Motorcycle Gear. Is that what they call tobacco? Yeah, the jeans. Yeah, like they they always put out such fun, neat marketing things. They did a great one for International Women's Day. Yeah, they did a great one for International Women's Day. Did you see the one where it says, I'm Keanu Reeves, like trying to make everybody look out for a motorcyclist because underneath that helmet, it could be Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Like they think outside the box and it's super catchy. And on my Facebook, of half of which are not motorcyclists and don't give two shits about motorcycles, they're the ones that always show it. Like they're like, hey, did you see this? It's pretty great. It made me think of you. Great. That's what I want to hear. Yeah. I want to see everybody else's eyes on this cool thing. And and it needs to start being spun in a positive manner. Tobacco did a great thing on that International Women's Day by showing, showcasing female woman power of being able to handle your own motorcycle. You're not just a passenger. You're not just an accessory. You are your own motorcyclist. And so now imagine if that was done in a much more global fashion by this business idea that I had where we're going to go in and work, you know, have hardly have our backs because they're such a huge conglomerate and let us spread the goodness of the Church of Rapistan. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I'm on. I'm on board. Let's do it. Sweet. Uh, with that one, sir, I think we should get out of this early so I can actually record, uh, edit this down in a timely manner. Nice. Well, you know, wash your hands. Make good choices. Definitely wash your hands. And safety third. Don't touch the face. Or do, but you know, wash your hands. Watch out for... Wash your hands before you touch your dick. Think about it. Nobody thinks about that one. Think about it. Yep. Wash your Uh, hands. Good talk. I'll see you out there. Bye. You know how you took like a regular Taco Supreme and then wrapped it in a Taco Bell bean burrito to make a double-decker taco because they disconnected it? it. So you had the deep fried yeah yeah we're gonna talk about that can you imagine if we did drugs <sighs> we'd have a different podcast that's for sure <laughs> brab talk man what are we talking about i forgot there's probably already one it's probably there. yeah it's probably already taken you know bud talk uh cbd talk cbd's nuts <laughs>